Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. What up, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a mute Monday. I got to say, it's starting to get hot here in Las Vegas. Uh, I think it was in the 90s today, but it was a little humid. So uh, it, it felt like that hot, hot kind of hot. It doesn't normally get humid out here, but I felt some humidity. Uh, it's starting to uh, get warm. Uh, there's no question about it, but that's all good. We'll take the sunshine any day of the week, especially looking around. Still, there's some cold weather uh, out there um, around the country. Uh, so we'll uh, uh, smile and enjoy our sunshine here in Las Vegas. It's kicking uh, over on the Strip. Uh, this is a big weekend with the Final Four here um, you know, going on, uh, but everybody coming into town to uh, have their fun uh, in and around uh, the games. And uh, tonight, uh, really looking forward to uh, tonight's championship game, Gonzaga against Baylor. I am torn on who might win this game. I kind of think that because Gonzaga, you know, usually when you take that Big, huge punch, maybe the punch of the uh, of the tournament. You're always going to get smacked one time. Uh, and if you survive it, uh, you're usually in pretty good shape. And I just think that Gonzaga took the haymaker from UCLA, survived it. Uh, and I think that they'll be you know, almost in an invincible mode going into uh, tonight's game against Baylor. But, man, Baylor looks good, too. So uh, hard to uh, to pick a winner in this, but I, I, I deep down, I think Gonzaga is going to win it. I uh, can't wait to check it out uh, after the show. Hopefully uh, everyone else is healthy, happy, uh, going to enjoy the game tonight, going to enjoy some Raider talk. Uh, big show today. We've got Willie Sneed, the Raiders' new wide receiver, coming to join us uh, at, at uh, the bottom of the hour, 4.30. So looking forward to, uh, to talking to Willie. And I'm going to talk to him about this. You know, I got a chance to uh, watch some tape of him uh, over these last couple of years. And this dude's a warrior, man. He is half football player, half fighter, or equal parts fighter, equal parts football player. The dude is tenacious, and I think that's going to be very welcome uh, addition on this offense and on this team. Just that mentality uh, that he plays with, and I'm curious to see if that's kind of how he operates in the locker room, holding uh, himself and his teammates uh, accountable. I think every team can use a dose of that, especially a young team uh, like the Raiders. Um, so we'll see if that translates, uh, if that's part of what um, you know he's going to bring uh, to the Raiders in his first year here in Las Vegas. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila. Uh, Embajador, you can uh, give us a call. Please do. Uh, would love to have uh, your input. 702-365-9200. We're a day closer to the NFL draft. I can't wait. Um, you know, thinking about the Raiders, looking at the Raiders situation, we obviously understand there's a big, uh, there's two big holes. Uh, let's be frank. Right tackle and free safety. I think the Raiders are in pretty decent shape everywhere else uh, at this point. Um, Kind of a question mark right now at slot cornerback, obviously. Do you roll with Amik Robertson? Do you bring in a veteran? Uh, do you go try to draft some competition for Amik um, you know, in a couple of weeks in, in the draft? Uh, not quite sure exactly what the direction is there uh, yet, but the fact that uh, the, you know, there, there hasn't been a whole lot of urgency or um, you know, desperation in filling that hole after cutting or releasing LaMarcus Joyner you kind of suspect that they have some plans uh, being formulated, one of which 
uh, I'm sure, includes Amik Robertson, uh, the young uh, going into his second-year cornerback uh, from Louisiana Tech. I, I tell uh, you guys all the time, go watch his tape at Louisiana Tech. This dude's a little baller. Um, you know, tough situation for him last year, making that switch from outside cornerback to slot cornerback uh, in a COVID year. Um, just never, was never really able to get that foundation and um, you know, really be able to settle in at his new position. We've talked about this a lot. Uh, it seems like a subtle change or an easy change. Uh, what you're playing cornerback? Go, go, go! Defend your guy. But it, it's it's not as easy as that. Let's be honest. And, and I think the savvy, nuanced fans understand that. You're lined up in a different area on the field. Uh, you're seeing the game from uh, a completely different angle and a completely different vantage point. You're also being asked uh, when you're inside to play more uh, run. Uh, so you have run fits uh, that you're responsible for. There's a lot that's going on out there in you know a new speed of the game going from college to the NFL. And it just wasn't. It it just didn't take hold for a Meek Robertson. Uh, but you know, we've seen it a million times. Uh, can't base somebody off their rookie year, especially as limited as it was for Meek Robertson, and especially given the kind of year uh, that it really was. Uh, you know, for every rookie in the NFL, and some guys got it quicker than others. Uh, but then some guys just they weren't facing the kind of challenges uh, that Amik Robertson was was facing, you know, making that big position switch in this kind of a year. So uh, we'll see where the Raiders are headed um, at that slot cornerback. Uh, and, you know, do you do you bring somebody in to, to really push uh, Damon Arnett or do you feel comfortable that Damon Arnett with a year under his belt now healthy and removed from – uh, the wrist injury that didn't just you know affect his rookie year with the Raiders, but you go all the way back to his senior year at Ohio State. The dude was playing with a club on his hand, uh, you know, for for a big part of that year, uh, if not the entire season. And and you know that didn't just affect the way he played in college, but it affected you know his weight room work and conditioning work. It carried over uh, to the NFL. It looked like he was be, behind you know beyond it. And playing really well in training camp, and the next thing you know, he shows up one day with a with a bandage on his on his hand. And we're all thinking, what happened to uh, Damon? And come to find out that he uh, suffered another injury and tried to gut his way through it and grit his teeth and play his way through it, but it got to be too much. Uh, and after game three against the New England Patriots, um, he gets taken out and undergoes surgery. And uh, seven weeks later, he's trying to catch up to that train. That's really hard to do uh, in the NFL, and I don't think I need to tell you guys that. Um, you know, but we we just get into this habit of a rush to judgment, and we kind of get tunnel vision sometimes in that, and in a way that doesn't allow us to have a little bit of reason, a little bit of nuance, a little bit of perspective in in how we uh, sometimes judge these young players. And not taking into account everything that they were dealing with, like it's no big deal. Like these guys are robots. Go out there and play. Well, it's not. It's not that easy. You know, making the switch from from college to the NFL is hard enough as it is. I mean, there's only a handful of guys each year that that really step up and 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 deliver in a in a major way. Um, you know, if you look at the numbers, if you look at the playing time, if you look at the starts. Uh, if you look at you know the production, um, yeah, there's going to be some some guys that flash, but there's going to be a whole bunch of other guys that are more in the development stage or more in the stage of plays well one game, play to play. You know, there's struggles, there's the inevitable uh, transition, and there's some guys that just don't even get on the field. Uh, 
that that first year, but that doesn't mean that they're not going to get in the field second year or third year. Everybody's clock is a little bit different. So we'll see what the plan is for uh, Damon Arnett. But again, the lack of urgency right now in bringing in a veteran cornerback uh, at least leads you to believe that there is a some level of confidence that um, that he's going to be just fine. And that doesn't preclude the Raiders. In fact, I would be shocked if they didn't add a cornerback at some point, probably fairly soon, uh, I, I would imagine. Uh, the last I checked, um, the Raiders were just the sense I, I, I get, I should say, is that uh, maybe two more signings uh, before the draft in, in late April. Um, so, you know, you don't have to be Sherlock Holmes to figure out that's probably going to be in the secondary and maybe on the offensive line, uh, but but we'll see. Those are the two biggest issues right now. But otherwise, um, you know, I feel like the Raiders are in decent shape. Some question marks along the offensive line, no question about it. Young Andre James uh, has to first beat out Nick Martin, and then he's got to hold down the fort at center. Um, you know, Richie Incognito and uh, Denzel Good need to be reliable and, and uh, you know, available. Uh, at the two guard spots, I suspect that's probably how it's going to play out. Unless you know the Raiders add a dynamite rookie that comes in and tells one or the other, "Hey, I'm taking your job." We'll see. Maybe John Simpson, the second year player from Clemson, comes in and is you know ready to rock uh, his second year. So uh, he's not going to go quietly into the night. I think that you know Denzel Good is still going to have a fight on his hands uh, to hold down uh, a starting job and, and Hey, competition is great. So whoever wins that job is going to be the best man. And I think that, uh, there's probably going to be a pretty good, if John Simpson, you know, makes, uh, the necessary progress or the expected progress, uh, that's going to be a battle, uh, with Denzel good and whoever doesn't win, uh, is a good depth piece. So we'll see how that plays out. Obviously right tackle is still, uh, the, the major, uh, hole, I would say, on the on the uh, Raiders' offensive line. I mean, you can pencil in Brandon Parker uh, by default right now because he's uh, the one guy coming back with with any real experience. But I don't think that that's the plan, you know, for Brandon Parker to be the starter unless he plays lights out in training camp, and that's always a possibility. And and maybe he comes in a changed man, an improved man, and ready to finally seize the job. But I'm kind of dubious on that. But we'll see. Uh, you got to keep your you know an open mind. Uh, about these things, but you go back uh, to the defensive side of the ball because um, that free safety spot is becoming more and more uh, not glaring. I think we all know that there's an opening there. It just becomes a position of focal point. And at some point, whether it's in the draft or, or free agency, they're going to make a move to bring in uh, their starter with you know Jeff Heath being kind of a super sub uh, defend or uh, backing up both positions. Although I wouldn't rule out the Raiders, you know, either drafting two safeties or bringing in a veteran safety and drafting a safety. Um, and there's just too many times now in football where where teams are playing with three safeties. Uh, there's also injury factors, uh, so you have to you know definitely uh, account for that. Um, had an interesting exchange uh, with somebody in the know. Um, you know, with the Raiders over the weekend. And I was doing a, if you get a chance, uh, over on, you know, VegasNation.com or uh, Vegas Nation, the app, or if you want to just go to the Las Vegas Review Journal uh, site, I did a uh, position-by-position breakdown of uh, the defensive uh, side of the ball for the Raiders. And it just kind of struck me as I was looking at the linebackers, 
with uh, Nick Wachowski coming back and Corey Littleton coming back and, of course, uh, Nicholas Morrow uh, being re-signed and coming back, I was thinking to myself, man, this might be the first time the Raiders, since John Gruden got back, are bringing back their entire linebacker core from one year to the next. Uh, I don't believe that was the case 2018 to 2019. I definitely know it wasn't the case 2019 to 2020, but it is going to be the case 2020 to 2021. Corey Littleton, Nick Wachowski, Nicholas Morrow uh, are all back. And I know that's you know, sounds kind of like a small thing. Uh, a lot of teams do that from a year-to-year basis. But the fact that the Raiders haven't had that kind of continuity, um, you know, since John Gruden has been back here, kind of talks about, you know, where they were with the roster when he did take over. There were a lot of holes that uh, needed to be fixed, and they kind of um, had to go through a lot of different players um, in, in, in trying to fill this and get it right, you know, and, uh, and so the exchange that I had was, you know, obviously, uh, guys need to get better. There's no question about it. Corey Littleton has to return back, uh, to his form, Nick Kukowski. Uh, I think there's still upside and improvement that he can make. Uh, and then Nicholas Morrow just needs to continue to build off what he put on tape last year. And I think the new coaching staff and the new system is all going to be conducive, um, you know, to, to that unit being, um, fairly, uh, effective this year. I think that this is going to be a changed, um, a pleasant change for the Raiders to have reliability and production and continuity at linebacker. And so, you know, uh, in reaching out to somebody, you know, it's kind of worded it that way. Like, you know, I know guys need to get better, but it must be pretty nice to have a little bit of continuity at that position. And, and the response was, uh, kind of a fair paraphrase, but the Raiders feel really good right now, or a lot better, I should say. And I, I, I would, um, you know, highlight a lot better, just about their front f- seven in general. And when we're talking about the front seven, you're talking about the front four, um, the defensive line, and the three linebackers, and not just the four guys that you're going to see on the starting uh, in the starting lineup. I'm guessing that it's going to be uh, Yannick Gakwe. Uh, probably Quentin Jefferson, uh, maybe Jonathan Hankins or or Mo Hurst, uh, and then Clee Farrell in the in the you know base set. But that's all subject to change, depending on the situation. Guys are going to move around. Uh, so so you it's not, but it's not just that front four. You've also got now Solomon Thomas, uh, whoever win whoever doesn't win the starting tackle jobs, uh, Darius uh, 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 Fibon, um, you know the uh, and. He's a guy that the Raiders are, uh, I think the, the word that was used when I was talking to somebody, uh, it's Darius Phylon, um, who they signed as a free agent. They are really, really, really intrigued by Darius Phylon, uh, who they, they signed as a free agent. Uh, a little bit of a backstory. Um, he's been derailed the last two years. There was an incident uh, shortly after he signed with the Arizona Cardinals. He had been a productive player, albeit in a role, you know, and, and, but that's important because not everybody's playing every snap. You have to have quality backups. Uh, so you're signing guys, you know, not just to start, but to be guys that you can rely on as backups in a, you know, a rotational basis. But then also, um, you know, when you're looking at if somebody gets hurt, you know, you've got a plug-in player that's going to be able to hold down the fort uh, for a little while. Uh, and they, they believe that they've got that uh, in Darius Phylon and maybe even a little bit more. Um, they, they really believe he's got some sleeper qualities and sleeper is probably a good term, uh, for him because he's been 
out of sight, out of mind now for two years uh, after his career essentially got derailed. There was an incident, like I mentioned, um, not going to get into all the details, uh, but it, it, it resulted in him getting released by the Arizona Cardinals. It resulted in a legal uh, situation uh, that, that took a while to unfold, and um, ultimately the case was thrown out uh, and dismissed, and he's been cleared, and you know now he gets a chance to move on with his life, and he moves on with his life uh, as a new Raider. And you know when you when you look at what he's done in his career, uh, he's been productive. He's been a productive uh, football player. And really, you know, when, when, if you're the Raiders at defensive line, and again, I can't stress to you n- enough how much more confident they are in that. Uh, front seven and the rotation that they've built, the depth that they have, the various skill sets that they have. Um, you know, when you're talking about Darius Phylon, uh, and when you look at uh, him, this is a player who, uh, in 2018, um, he got 13 starts with the uh, with the uh, LA Chargers. Do you know who his defensive coordinator was? Yeah, uh, it was Gus Bradley. Uh, Gus Bradley was his defensive coordinator in 2017 and 2018, so he knows what he's getting from Darius uh, Phylon. And uh, age 23 and 24, in uh, 30 games, uh, including 17 starts, this is a guy who had nine and a half sacks, uh, 63 tackles, um, and you know, 18 quarterback hits. Uh, 14 tackles for losses. Um, this is a guy that, you know, in a rotational basis, and then, you know, that, that 2018 year where he started, when he was on the field, he produced. He produced, and he was only 24 years old back in 2018, and that's why the Cardinals signed him to uh, a two-year contract, and, you know, he had obviously opened up enough eyes that the Cardinals wanted him to be a part of their program, and then the legal issue uh, hit, uh, the incident uh, occurred, uh, he's out of football, and he's been out of football for, for two years. And and you know, in in talking to some folks over the weekend, this is a guy that's chapped at the bit to get back out there. Um, imagine your career, you know, just like I said, literally getting derailed uh, for two years, and you know, money got lost, obviously, uh, opportunities got lost, uh, obviously. Um, and now he's back and he's kind of back with a little bit of an vengeance. You know what I'm saying? Like he's ready to rock and roll and ready to get back out on that field. The Raiders have a very, very motivated, uh, player that, uh, that they're bringing back. And so, and they feel like there's some sleeper qualities to him and not quite sure what the role is going to be exactly, but you look at those numbers, he's, there has been a level of production. And, um, you know, you combine that with, uh, you know, Yannick Ngakwe, uh, Max Crosby, Clee Farrell, Mo Hurst, Jonathan Hankins, Darius Phylon, um, Quinton Jefferson, Solomon Thomas, David Irving. We're now talking about nine guys, Arden Key, 10. There's, there's more bodies than there are spaces on the roster. Uh, Carl Nassib, there are, who, you know, I don't know what happened to him last year. I don't know what happened to uh, a, co- a few guys <laughs> last year, but um, you know, it's it's it's. I I don't think it's a reach to think that there was some kind of correlation between system, the 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 philosophy, the scheme, all of those things, 
and how some guys just weren't able to to get on on on, on Cork last year. But Carl Nassib can play. I forget about the money. I, I didn't necessarily agree with how much they gave him last year, but it is what it is. It's not my money, and um, you know, it's not crippled them in terms of being able to make other moves. It is what it is. Uh, he took a pay cut. He restructured his contract. Um, he's back. But there's I, my point is the guy can play, and all he needs to do is do what he did. Uh, in in the years, the couple of years before he got to the Raiders, and he could be an asset. He doesn't. He's not a starter. He's not a guy that you know uh, is going to get double digit sacks. But he's he's he can be and has been somebody that in a rotation can help uh, the defense. So what I just named ten guys. There's others. Kendall Vickers uh, is is still on the uh, on, on the roster. Uh, he's coming back. Um, and 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 so when you when in talking to uh, who I talked to over the weekend and the confidence that they now have in that front seven and how much better they feel about that front seven, you think about how it relates to what it means on the back side of the defense. And this is, to me, a fairly important uh, point to make and uh, something to focus on because if you remember in free agency, what did the Raiders do? They focused on the defensive line, almost exclusively on that defense. Aside from re-signing Nicholas Morrow, every move on defense has been to address the defensive line. And that is pretty telling. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more on why that is and what it means. What it means for that young secondary and how they're perceived not by the outside because it doesn't matter what i think or you think necessarily we have all our opinions but what it means to this new defensive coordinator and his staff and how they are looking at this young secondary and how they're being judged and assessed and how they think they can function now with a much better defensive line here in the huddle with bonsignor brought to you by tequila and bajador You're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Now, back to your host, Vinny Bonsignor. Look at DeBron, man. Uh, feeling is pumping out his chest a little bit because he got complimented on Twitter for his musical taste, which you know I totally appreciate, and uh, I'm right there with you. But congratulations, uh, Demond, uh, for uh, for somebody for you know listeners recognizing uh, the music and the music choices. Uh, so uh, I'm right there with you. It almost makes up uh, for your ridiculous baseball take uh, trying to stir it up. Uh, by even insinuating uh, that um, that the uh, Angels Japanese pitcher is better than Mike Trout, it just you know we, it, there's times where just Vinny who don't pitched understand. Vinny who pitched four innings and who hit a home run wasn't Mike Trout. That's it, all I'm saying. Don't don't don't. I know that I know you're playing the heel guy because you do with your wrestling, but don't you're you're. It's just it's. I just I'm just telling you don't. You know and you know that too. I, and you know that too. Mike Trout is is on a is on a pace 
I mean, he's only he's like I think second behind Babe Ruth in terms of all the all the numbers that you value players at. Like behind Babe Ruth, do you you you've heard of Babe Ruth, right? There's a thing in baseball. There's a thing in baseball about you have to do it, man. You have to do it day after day after day after day. And I think that the the kid's going to be a great player. I really do. Uh, but I do wonder if playing both positions the way he he is. Uh, and looks like he will continue to do if it's going to take something away from one or the other. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like even Babe was a tremendous pitcher. In fact, uh, he was one of the best pitchers of his era uh, early on, and then they realized ah, it's not going to work. You got to pick one or the other, and they obviously went with him being uh, an everyday player. Although if you look at his stats, the Yankees still uh, every once in a while, when they, you know, ran out of pitchers, uh, they said, "Babe, we need you to take the hill tomorrow." And he would deliver, <laughs> even into his thirties, like years later. So, um, you know, uh, but but if you look at Mike Trout, his numbers through the first, you know, what I, what is he, twenty seven, twenty eight years old now? His his first however many years he's played stack up to Babe Ruth. <laughs> that's so you can't. That's the wrong guy to be talking about, Mike Trout is as good as it gets. The only thing about Mike Trout that I feel bad about is I wish he was in, you know, I know Anaheim is close to Los Angeles, but it ain't Los Angeles. He needs to go play for, like, the Dodgers or the Yankees or somewhere where he's going to get an opportunity to perform on the biggest stage because if he did, people would really understand how good this guy is. Um, so, uh, so uh, yeah, the music, you're good. Uh, uh, usually like your football takes, but the baseball one, I think you just need to uh, to... Go, go look at baseball reference a little bit longer and do your studying a little bit more. Uh, not to say that the kid's not going to be a great player. And he was. Oh, man, did you see the play where he got hurt? I don't think DeMond is oh, with no, us No, Vinny, I was, um, the reason that delay was because our next guest, Willie Sneed, just called in and I just got uh-huh. on with him. So there we go. That's there the you go. There you, so well, enough you just, about baseball. You just, you, there you go. Well, you just uh, you just uh, let the cat out of the bag. We were going to surprise everybody uh, with that announcement. But uh, without further ado, and thanks to our great producer, Devon Cotton, uh, for putting it out there, uh, we want to welcome in uh, Willie Sneed, the Raiders' new wide receiver. Uh, welcome to the, uh, In the Huddle. Uh, really appreciate you taking the time on a, on a Monday, uh, Willie. Um, thank you so much. And uh, first of all, welcome to Las Vegas and welcome to the Raiders, man. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you, man. I'm really excited to be a part of the Vegas team now. Well, you know, in my job, I cover the Raiders for the Las Vegas Review Journal. Obviously, I host this radio show. And so when they signed you, you know, you go back and you looked at, look at the tape uh, as much as we can, you know, uh, find in, in, in our jobs. And, uh, and Willie, I got to say that um, watching, you know, your highlights from the last couple of years, it just struck me um, what a warrior you are on the field. You're like equal parts football player fighter. And it's just, there's a tenacity that you play this game with that just jumps out uh, on, on the tape. And I just wanted to ask you, is that, has that tenaciousness always been a part of your DNA when it comes to playing football? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I approach the game, you know, from a physical standpoint, just being, you know, aggressive and, you know, to the ball at all times. And, you know, that's one of my, you know, strongest attributes is, you know, catching the ball and being aggressive and, even in the blocking game, you know, I, I, I've gotten better at that over the years uh, since New Orleans, and I've always been trying to get better at blocking and, you know, how I can help in the run game as well as the passing game. But just being a physical, a warrior out there, so to speak, um, just trying to do it all. And, uh, you know, that's how I've grown my name in the league is just a, a durable, 
relentless physical guy that can you know basically do it all and uh you know in baltimore we, we were very run heavy so you probably saw a lot of you know physical blocking and a lot of big third downs over the middle things like that but uh i mean that's just a, a part of my game that has grown over the years and uh um definitely gotten better at it for sure you know, a couple of years ago, I was covering the uh, the Los Angeles Rams, and we went to Baltimore. I remember uh, for for a couple of days of practice, uh, it was like a you know two team practices uh, out at uh, Owings Mill, uh, the the facility over there with the Baltimore Ravens. And I think you were on that team. It was 2018, so so you were probably there. It's a hot, sticky day, but I remember this about that Baltimore Ravens team. Um, it, it, again, it was like this 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 mentality, this fighting kind of mentality gritty mentality uh, that I think it just watching you guys work against the Rams and I, and I know talking to the Rams, it taught them a few lessons uh, about that tenacity. They went on to the Super Bowl that year. Um, but was that kind of the mentality? Am I right to think that a team can take that kind of a mentality and that was what was going on in Baltimore? Yeah, for sure. And it, and it really started with like just the whole uh, organization itself playing like a Raven and you know, what does playing like a Raven mean? It means being tough, being durable, being smart and uh, just doing all the right things, do what it takes to help the team win. And, you know, the Ravens has always been like a power run team, you know, play action. And uh, that's the kind of mentality that was there when I got there. And I've, I actually molded into that type of player that they needed me to be. And it started up front. Marshall Yonda was the one that led that pack. And uh, you could just tell by his grittiness that, you know, he wanted to run the ball. He wanted to be physical. And it kind of just like, spurred out into everybody and you know as as the year went on and you know things got good for us I mean we just continued to relentlessly get after guys and be physical and, and ground and pound the game and make, and make it hard for defenses and um, you know just the way they play their style of game uh, I was able to mold into that and, and bring another element to the offense so um, that's just who the Ravens are They're, they've always been built that way and uh, just to be a part of it for three years was a, a a great honor. And I've learned so much there just about the run game and, and different ways to attack it and, and things of that nature. So, yeah, that greediness has been there for Baltimore. And uh, being a part of it was just a privilege for sure. We're talking to new Raiders wide receiver uh, Willie Sneed. And I'm, I'm glad you mentioned how you molded your, your, your game uh, to fit that profile uh, in Baltimore, and and just talking to John Gruden and, and this staff, and um, I think that that's kind of the mentality that they're trying to build here as well. Um, you know, and, and I'm sure John Gruden, in talking to him, that kind of comes across uh, pretty easily that he wants to get after it. He wants to be tough and physical and run the ball and play action off of, off of that. Um, but the fact that you were able to go and mold yourself into that kind of a profile, do you feel like what you can bring uh, to this Raiders team, and they're along the way in that regard as well, but your experience having performed and played and seen what it's like to be in that kind of an uh, environment, you think that could help uh, bring some of that to this team? Yeah, at the end of the day, it's, it's just a mentality. It's having that mentality to basically beat the guy across from you for four quarters and apply relentless effort and pressure. And, you know, that's that's what great offenses do. Even when I was in New Orleans, you know, we were always applying pressure, whether it was in the run game or the passing game. And then when I got to Baltimore, it was just relentless run game effort, just getting after people, man. And, and that's a mindset at the end of the day. Um, you can have people – that have that mindset, but if everybody doesn't have that mindset, it won't work. And 
that's the one thing about being with the Ravens was it was from top to bottom. You know, if, if guys weren't tough or they didn't have that mentality, it was going to show. And, you know, just setting the tone for that, you know, because I've always been that type of cat that just came in the building, worked hard, did what everything I had to do to get on the field. And, you know, I was, I was just an unselfish player. I still am, but, you know, it's just at this point in my career, I want to be able to utilize all aspects of my game, not just blocking and physicality, but getting back to run, you know, running all types of routes in the offenses, scoring touchdowns, being a big threat in the red zone and third down. You know, that's, that's the type of game I'm used to having. But, you know, being in Baltimore, I, I did what I had to do to get on the field and help my team win. So uh, at the end of the day, it was just, you know, incorporating that mentality um, and just leading by example. And once you lead by example and guys see you getting after linebackers and DNs and safeties that are bigger than you, then it just it's it's contagious at that point. People just want to do what they can to help the team get better. Yeah, and that's that's a, a point that I try to, to to make sometimes to to fans. It's not you know there's accountability and there's there's definitely self policing in locker rooms and with teams and guys not being afraid to approach other guys to hey step it up and things like that. But it's even more than that. Um, a it's it's uh, it's it's being willing to to be a willing teammate and a, and a helpful teammate, but also being present in team meetings on the you know uh, in the in the uh, weight room uh, on the practice field team bus wherever being accountable being uh, present wherever you are and just uh, letting that be a lead by example type of a situation um, and do you feel like um, any of that needs to happen here with the Raiders or you know in in some of you're, you're talking to some of the players do you feel like everyone's kind of on the same page as that is in that re- regard I mean, I haven't been in the building but for like 30 minutes, and, you know, I, I haven't really met anybody, so I couldn't even tell you what the locker room is built on right now, but I know when Derek Carr texts me, like, probably an hour after I got done at the facility and after I signed, you know, he seemed like a great guy, um, and he feels like they're on the cusp of being in the playoffs and potentially pushing for a Super Bowl. I know his mentality. I, I talked to Max, uh, Max, I think it was his last Crosby. name, Crosby, I think. Yeah, yep. he's a he's a he's a Matt guy, you know. And he hit me up on Twitter, and we got to talk a little bit. And uh, just to, I could just tell by those two guys what the locker room is possibly like. You know, the great great character guys. You know, just watching the film, they get after it, they make plays, they do what they got to do to win games. And you know, if that if those two guys are anything compared to what the locker room is like, I think you know I would just be adding, you know, onto that. You know, I would just be reinforcing what it means to be a great teammate, to be and a relentless player to have a great mindset coming into work every day and just wanting to get after it each and every week. And, um, you know, that stuff is contagious being around guys like that. So Yeah, no um, question I'm about trying. it. And we're talking to Willie Sneed, uh, uh, New Raiders wide receiver. When we talked to you uh, on your Zoom conference call, you had mentioned that kind of from afar, um, you know, you were you were keeping an eye uh, on the Raiders. Was that just kind of uh, by coincidence where their games would pop up on the screen or did you – actively sort of seek it out and and one of the things that you did mention was you felt like at least what you were seeing on 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 tape and and on, you know when you were able to watch that this team was pretty close uh what were the signs that you saw that that led you to that conclusion well i mean the first i mean the first one i noticed was when they beat when the Ra- they beat the chiefs and uh you know how they did it throwing the ball being aggressive attacking and then, you know, just as their games were on TVs, you know, just seeing the offenses, seeing the defense and how they've been playing. Um, you know, just even the Miami game, even though they took that loss, you know, they were always they were fighting to the end, you know, and I got to see that. And it was just I respect 
teams like that because, you know, at the end of the day, they're not going to quit. There's no quit in that team. And that's the team you want to be a part of if you're any type of player just to, to help build on, build onto that and help them get over that hump if you're able to. Um, so it was from afar most of the time. You know, watching film, our offense was totally different from John Gruden. So watching yeah. film of them wasn't really going to help me in any way. But from afar, I did appreciate, you know, Gruden's offense and how the guys fought out there. So I, I definitely respected them in that sense. You mentioned John Gruden, uh, definitely a character, and I'm sure that came across in, uh, in, in talking to him. But I, I believe he cares. In fact, I know he cares, and he's almost maniacal about trying to get this thing back in, in, in the right place to, and restore mm-hmm. the Raiders to the rightful place. Uh, what were your uh, impressions? I know it hasn't, probably hasn't been a whole lot, but in the time that you have spent with him, talking to him, uh, your impressions of, uh, of John Gruden and, and, prob- and how much he, he wants to make this thing work here in Vegas. Yeah, he's he's a really down to earth guy, man. And I feel like I can talk to him about anything. Um, you know, football, family, anything. And 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 when you have a coach like that that cares, like you said, you know, you'll you'll go out there and do everything for him. You'll you'll run through a wall if you have to. And you know, those are the type of coaches you want to be a part of. You know, John Harbaugh John Harbaugh was like that as well. He was a great players coach, cared for his players, make sure they had everything they need to be successful. And I think Gruden is cut from that same cloth and you know, his offense is just another level of, of what he's been through. I mean, I've watched him when he was with the Raiders before he got with Tampa Bay, when he was in Tampa Bay, and then his whole Monday night deal, just appreciating what he thinks of the game and how he looks at it from his point of view. And, um, you know, as a kid growing up, you know, you, you want to be a part of coaches like that. You want to be coached up by guys like that. And I told him this. I said, when I found out that you wanted me a part of this team, I got super excited because it's like, in my mind, he's a legendary coach. And I want to be able to build onto his legacy and have that privilege. So I have nothing but the utmost respect for Coach. And he knows that he's going to get everything out of me once training camp comes around. And uh, Yeah, you know, uh, no question. If the, if the tape, that, that tape doesn't lie, man. Uh, you, you play at like 120%, <laughs> and it's fun to watch. Last question for you. Um, yeah. Obviously, uh, this is a, a new market here in Las Vegas. And, uh, uh, you know, the fans weren't able to be a part of it last year because of COVID-19. I think everyone's, uh, you know, gearing up to, to – uh, for this thing to really open the way everyone had envisioned it opening. Uh, any impressions of Las Vegas? Have you ever spent any time out here? Uh, and, and uh, you know, what do you feel about basically opening a new market for a, a, a new team uh, here in, in Las Vegas? Uh, I'm not going to lie to you, man. I know you're probably going to laugh at me, but when I took my visit, that was actually my first time being in Las Vegas. Um, <laughs> I've <laughs> I've never been to Vegas, never had the opportunity, never had the want to, to be honest. Um, my all my family's in California, so I would go if I was going West Coast, I was going to San Diego, but uh but I knew I knew I know there's a new market in Las Vegas and I just think it's a great opportunity to build it. Um, you know, it's it's one year, I guess it's been one year they've been in, in the city and you know, I'm just really excited to be a part of something brand new like this. And I heard the stadium is amazing, it's beautiful state-of-the-art, and that's just something that I'm excited to be a part of. I mean, I can let alone feel the fans just getting in there and getting their seats and being able to cheer, and um, you know, that just motivates me to be able to go out there and work hard and put on the show for them each and every Sunday that we have a home game. So, just super excited for the opportunity, man. It's going to be a great year, I feel like, and um, just can't wait to see the fans in the stadium. I know it's going to be lit up that first game, first home game, so I'm, I just can't wait, man. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I I totally agree, and as someone who spent my whole life in California, uh, just moved out here uh, about a year ago, uh, you know, uh, 
I think you're going to figure this one out yourself. It's not a bad yeah. place to be, man. It really is a. Uh, it's it's not what you think, and it certainly wasn't what I thought about when I thought about Las Vegas, uh, like you do. So it's it really is a, a cool place, and and like you said, can't wait for the fans to get in there and uh, and get after it. Willie Sneed, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Welcome to the Raiders. Welcome to Las Vegas. Can't wait to meet you. Uh, hopefully, there's like a real off season and OTAs and training camp. Uh, we'll come out there and, and and say hi to you, man. Really appreciate you spending some time with us. Awesome. Thanks for guys. Thanks guys for having me, man. Look forward to meeting. Yep, likewise. It's Willie Sneed, uh, the new Raiders wide receiver. And, and guys, I'm telling you, I wasn't just saying that uh, because Willie was, was, was on the phone with us. Go watch the tape of this guy. Go call up whatever you can find on YouTube. There's a lot of it. Uh, this dude plays uh, 120 miles a minute, and he is a fighter and a warrior. And I think that's going to translate uh, to this team. Um, just that kind of mentality, that winning mentality, that gritty mentality. Uh, I think the Raiders have been on their way in that regard. But anytime you add pieces uh, that bring that element to the locker room, uh, it makes a difference. It really, really does. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Nabajara. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Our thanks again uh, to Willie Sneed, the Raiders' uh, new wide receiver. And, um, you know, uh, Willie Sneed, I can't sit here and predict how many snaps he's going to get, how many receptions he's going to get. But... You know, I think that there was some, you know, maybe a little bit of head scratching going on when when the Raiders signed him. But there's signings that happen um, to me through the course uh, of a of a year free agency, whatnot, or just additions that uh, you know might not make all the headlines or anything like that. And you know, they're not going to wow people. Sometimes they're even going to confuse some people uh, a, a little bit. Uh, the Kenyon Drake um, signing, I think, uh, was along those lines. And Willie Sneed, what do the Raiders need another wide receiver for? Well. Um, I think if you just listen to what what he had to say, this is a guy who is a a, a functional piece, functional piece, uh, and a productive piece on playoff teams. All right, you know who's trying to get to the Raiders or to the playoffs? The Raiders are. You know who's trying to develop that mentality? The Raiders are. You know who's trying to figure it out how to get there? The Raiders are trying to do that. Um, and and a guy like Willie Sneed, uh, who's produced on big time teams. You go back to some of the Saints teams that he played on. Um, brings that element, you know, uh, and I and I know we all, you know, everyone um, talks about Hunter Renfro, and I know fans, uh, you know, have a special place in their heart for Hunter Renfro. This isn't gonna, you know, a team is a team, you know, and 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 guys find their places, guys have their niches, guys have um, their roles, and you know, Willie Sneed coming in and maybe from time to time taking some snaps away from Hunter Renfro or being, you know, playing alongside him or situational football. Maybe there's some strengths of Willie that, uh, you know, he comes out and replaces a, a Hunter Renfro. You can't get all caught up in all that nonsense. It's the, they, the, you know, we, not me. It's, it's, that's, that's, that's a real thing. And it's important. It's a team that's trying to get to the playoffs and you need to put your best foot forward on every single snap. And a guy like Willie Sneed brings a certain mentality that um, the Raiders' offense 
doesn't necessarily have right now, uh, but they they're going to get it uh, in him. Um, and 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 I I I'm a big fan of a lot of guys that are on that Raider offense. Um, it got younger this offseason without question. Um, and and you bring in somebody like Willie uh, John Brown, um, the veteran wide receiver that they also brought in, another guy who's been a uh, a productive piece on playoff teams. It's important. Uh, it's important because you know it's not just what they do on the field. Obviously, it ultimately comes down to that. You want to see what they, you know, they're going to, and they are going to get their numbers, and they are going to produce, and they are going to find their way, and they are going to be a, a factor. Um, but it's also, it's so important with teams, the stuff that you guys don't see, and I'm not saying that I see it either. Uh, I get a glimpse of it, um, that's for sure, uh, and and I'm very fortunate too. Uh, but there's so so much that happens behind the scenes, and and like like Willie said, you know, molding himself into the image of the Ravens. He looked around and saw what that program was all about, and figured out a way to become and embody that exact uh, image, and and what the. Ravens were all about, and he's bringing that to the Raiders. And I and I and I do know that the Raiders are trying to create something very, very similar. They go about it in a different way. Like Willie said, the offense is completely different. You know, going from Lamar Jackson and what um, the Ravens did with their quarterback and how they accentuated his skills uh, and how that um, you know uh, transferred into their passing game and their running game and how they attacked people. Uh, it was. Quite, it's quite a bit different than how John Gruden and his offense attacks people. They have a different quarterback. It's a different skill set between Derek Carr and Lamar Jackson. And I kind of got the sense, um, you know, talking to Willie, I think that he's really looking forward to getting back to this kind of an offense because remember, where was he before he went to Baltimore? The New Orleans Saints. And I've been saying this for quite some time. I'm not trying to say that Derek Carr is Drew Brees. Drew Brees is a Hall of Fame quarterback unto himself. But if there's a player that plays quite a bit like Drew Brees, it's Derek Carr. And he's getting there. He's getting closer to that every single day. Every single year, every single practice, every single play, every single snap, every single game. He's getting closer and closer to really becoming that kind of a quarterback, the accuracy, the getting the ball out as quickly as possible, spreading the ball around uh, to all the various weapons, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, uh, exploiting the mismatches, seeing the game from the line of scrimmage, controlling the game from the line of scrimmage. I saw that in Derek Carr last year. And he's getting to the point where he's mastering that side of the ball. And I think that Willie Sneed in that offense that he remembers from New Orleans, which the offense that the, Ra that the Raiders run is more similar to the Saints than what he was uh, doing in, in uh, Baltimore. I think you're going to see him fit in this offense like a glove. And I think you're going to see Derek Carr continue to get better and better. He really is closing in on being that kind of a quarterback if he isn't already there. Go look at the accuracy numbers. Go look at the ability to take care of the football in terms of the interceptions, uh, how he spreads it around, how he functions at the line of scrimmage, how he executes plays. Um, this offense has a chance to take an even uh, bigger step forward than it did last year. And guys like Willie Sneed and John Brown and Kenyon Drake and Derek Fisher are going to be a big part of that. You're in the huddle, Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur.